This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 113, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, October the 23rd. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 113, the comic reviews of the week of Wednesday, October the 23rd episode. I am your host, Adam Chapman. Welcome to the show. Uh, This is the weekly reviews episode of Comic Shenanigans, where we look at some of the uh, books that came out during the past week. It was a big week last week. I think there was, uh, between the big two, there was between, what, 30 to 40 books that actually came out. That's a pretty big week. Um, not, Not even counting Image, Dark Horse... And various other uh, other uh, publishers. Uh, there was a bit of a blip in the recording there. That's actually because my cat decided to jump up next to the microphone and knock it a bit. So uh, my apologies for the blip in the audio there. Um, as I've said in recent episodes, uh, ever since episode 100, um, we've had a little bit shorter episodes for the reviews episodes. Um, I've also actually I was speaking the other day with one of our uh, one of our one-time guests on the show and hopefully someday we'll he'll be able to make it on the show in the future when our schedules can align and the stars uh you know align in the right way in the sky uh but AJ Reese so we were having a conversation about the uh the podcast and he made some interesting observations about how the uh, reviews episodes have gone through some changes over the last couple months. I mean, for those who've listened to the reviews episodes, they'll know that I've gone through some life changes. Um, I moved um, first. I moved into a bigger house, and there was a lot of unpacking, so it meant that there was less time to review comics, etc. My wife was also at the time eight and a half months pregnant, and obviously now we have a, a two-month-old uh, Zachary Chapman. Uh, he's actually, as of this recording on October 29th, he is exactly two months old. So I've gone through some different uh, changes in my life, obviously. And uh, my most recent one is that I basically broke my hand on Friday. So I'm, I'm going through some changes for sure. And it's made the the show have to change as well. So what this has basically meant is that, uh, for the most part, I, I somehow have been able to somehow keep to uh, making the odd-numbered episodes remain the um the review episodes and the even number ones have been the special kind of event episodes um i've taken a week or two off here and there um recently i took one off for uh basically the canadian thanksgiving uh anyways so we're back on on track for the most part but he one thing aj had said that he noticed is that uh i used to do a little bit more of synopsis of some of the comics while i was doing the reviews and uh that had somehow I, I was still doing the reviews, and they were a little bit more fast-paced, but also it, it seemed that something that had kind of been sacrificed was losing a bit of that synopsis part. So if you weren't reading the books, you were hearing about them and what was good about them, but you weren't necessarily hearing what they were about. Um, there's different ways to go on that. Uh, on this show, I've always kind of said, you know, spoilers beware. That we're talking about books that came out a week ago, in this case, six days ago. Um you know, if you don't know what's going on, that's fine, but maybe don't listen to that particular review, and um, I'm going to I'm gonna spoil the crap out of things, and in recent episodes, I definitely have changed um, the focus a little, because I don't have as much time to make, to do the podcast, and obviously I don't have as much time to read the books either, or uh, even talk about as many books on the cast, so this, the, all these things have impacted the show. Anyways, that is a long intro. I apologize for that. Uh, let's start off uh, the week. Uh, let's see if we start strong. But uh, As always, we go alphabetically through the comics I did get a chance to read. I believe this week I looked at uh, about 4 DC, 6 Marvel. Uh, so it's about, I tried to do about a 5 and 5 split or, or close enough. 
Um, so this, this time it was a 60-40 split. So first we have Aquaman. Um, Aquaman number 24. I thought, for some reason in my head, I thought this was going to be the end of the Jeff Johns run. It's not. Um, it's kind of a weird issue because we kind of jump forward in time and we get a lot of exposition. That being said, I really enjoyed the exposition that we got. Uh, it's written, as always, by Jeff Johns, artwork by Paul Pelletier. Uh, now he gets to have Aquaman have a beard, so they're, it, it's a very different look than you'd expect because with the beard, I'm not used to having... Um, and I, I haven't read a lot of Aquaman comics, but in the past, I feel like Aquaman usually when he has the beard is the long hair. And obviously back in the day, he had the harpoon. Uh, now he's basically still regular Aquaman, but he happens to have a beard. But it gives him a different look that Pelletier is going with. So as we open up this book... It's months after the last issue. It's six months later, um, and Volko basically tells Aquaman, he's like he saved him. He's tried to restore him, and he brings him to this tomb, this tomb that this this ancient uh, ruler has escaped from. And he learns the the secret history of Atlantis and these two rulers. Well, there's one ruler and his brother. And um, uh, this entire time, Aquaman has always believed that he was descended from the ruler, basically. Uh, but it turns out he's actually descended from the murderer of the, the that former leader who has now kind of de- dedicated himself to kind of destroying Atlantis. Um, so it's, a, it, it's an exposition-having issue. It doesn't really move the story along in terms of the present day. Um, but it does add some... It does flesh out the story that's been told. Um, I was a little torn on it when I first read it because, like, it is kind of... It doesn't move anything forward, but you get a lot of the backstory that is necessary to to kind of play up the 25th issue, which will have a, a good... A big confrontation. And now we more more about, you know, really what the link is between Aquaman and the supposed King of the Seven Seas. Um, it's interesting. I actually, I dug it. It was an interesting backstory to see filled in the idea that Aquaman isn't descended from the, the, the best of Atlantis, Atlantean society, but in fact is actually descended from one of the worst of Atlantean societies. An interesting concept. Um, this was uh, quite entertaining. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Flash number 24, which was terrible. Um... Maybe not terrible, it just wasn't that good. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I'm rethinking it as we speak. I think I'm going to settle on the 6, though. Uh, mainly because of the artwork. The artwork by Francis Manipal and Brian Bruchelato remains fantastic. Um, the story leaves a lot to be desired. In fact, it leaves everything to be desired. It is such a... We don't really get a real sense of how the hell this reverse flash even works or operates. Uh, I feel like they they just kind of had this vague idea that there is something like the speed force, but they're not really charting on how it really works. Um, and like, so we have the idea here, the reverse flash is Daniel West. So it's Iris's brother and he has his powers that aren't really fully explained. And he's decided he's going to tap into the speed force and use the flash's abilities and drain him to go back to the past and kill his father so that there, his life would be different. Um, basically, that's the that that's the story in a nutshell. And Barry's gonna not let this happen. He's gonna stand up against the Reverse Flash and absorb all of Reverse Flash's energy, kind of absorb it into himself, and bring them back to the present. Uh, he knocks out Doctor Elias as well. Barry's trying to make everything up to Patty and her family, um, and him kind of dealing with what's been going on in his life and and the whole idea of it, it's kind of a, a wink towards flashpoint because he's like i could change everything i could probably go back in time and stop 
you know, my mom from dying, but what, what would this really lead to? Uh, would it really be a better world? Uh, what I'm always interested in too is, was it still the original Reverse Flash who killed Flash's parent, uh, sorry, his mom? Um, because when Jeff Johns changed everything and fucked up the happy life that Barry used to have, instead of replacing it with tra- tragedy, um, it was the Zoom, the, sorry, the original Professor Zoom, Ebert Dunn, who went back in time and killed Barry's mom. And then, at, at least it was at one point, and then uh, it was kind of changing and and transmuting, and it was, it, and then in Flashpoint, he went to go save her, and because of the act of him saving her, although, again, that was always, always a little, uh, not conclusive in terms of how it actually went down, it led to a lot of other things happening in the Flashpoint universe, which then led into New 52, so who knows how his mom even died, but, um, it's an interesting story, I think I might stop here, I know that Bucciolato at least is doing a few more issues that he's writing, but I mean, this is kind of a nice tidy. It's 24 issues. It's basically, well, 25 issues if you count the, um, well, technically more than that. It's 24 issues if you count just the Flash book, but then it's plus zero, so that's really 25, plus maybe the three one-shots if you want to, but they may not really be included in this run. My point is, this Flash run is over. Um... Whoever comes next, I mean, it's actually remarkable that it lasted that long, considering how most creative teams have been switched up a long time ago in the New 52, besides maybe Scott Snyder being one of the, and Greg Capullo being the, really the only ones who really made it all the way through. Um, I'm really torn. I'm gonna, You know what? I am going to downgrade it to a five. The story was not good. It was very boring, um, very easy to, to quickly wrap up. I found that the villain was not believable. The story, the, the, he is the most, the least interesting reverse flash we've ever seen. Uh, the original one wasn't necessarily the most fascinating character, but some of the things they did with him was really cool. Uh, although at times also very overly complicated. And then, uh, Hunter Zolomon was brilliantly done by Jeff Johns. So this just feels like a very sad reflection of what other characters have been in the past. Um, so that was a 5 out of 10. Moving on, we have Justice League 24. Uh, this was really good, although really, not a lot really happens. Um, it's by written by Jeff Johns. I work by Yvonne Reyes. Um, it's basically the origin of Ultraman. So we see how crazy messed up his world was in terms of uh, when he's leaving Krypton, what it's what Krypton's destruction was even like, and how his parents didn't even like, like they hated each other, um, how Kal-El is indoctrinated to hate humanity and lord himself over them, and when he lands on Earth, and uh, there's a very, like, a weird, messed-up version and squabbling version of Jonathan and Martha Kent, and they kind of, they don't even find him, really. I mean, they kind of find Clark, but really he kind of says, you'll be my parents now, right after he, like burns off his dad's hand which is messed up and then eventually he kills his parents it's a very messed up take on Ultraman obviously and we get a little bit of a sense of what's going on in the current uh, DCU he shows up and at the Daily Planet and uh, he he has some there's some messed up stuff going on because he really wants to like beat up Jimmy Olsen um, he doesn't seem that impressed with Lois either and he thinks that Jimmy is some sort of weird pervert uh, it's kind of messed up and then uh, we have uh, Shazam come, and they're going to have a, a, a knockdown dragout fight, which starts here and will lead into the next issue of Forever Evil, which is Forever Evil number three. Um, I like the evil that, that sorry, the idea, the concept that Black Adam being forced into the heroic role because of someone who's much worse than himself. 
Um, interesting concept. Great artwork by Evan Reyes. Um, you know, it's is it the most essential chapter for Forever Evil? No, it's not. Um, if you want to kind of see a glimpse of what Earth well, what, 3 is like and, uh, and how twisted and crazy this version of Ultraman is, it's a very interesting, enjoyable look at his story. Uh, the artwork is brilliant by Ivan Reyes. Uh, it's it's scary to read the comic in some ways because you don't know if he's going to kill... Like Obviously, you know he's not going to kill Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane, but it does definitely make you fear for those characters. Like It's it's creepy. Like You can just imagine this guy looks like someone you trust and... Well, maybe not trust in the New 52, but pre-New 52, I mean, they would have trusted this guy as like a friend, as a brother, as like as this, you know the ultimate hero. Again, not quite to the same level in the DCU now in the pre-New 52, sorry, the post-52, um, because he's, it's definitely the idea that not everyone trusts the Justice League, uh, or Superman. Um, but that being said, I mean, it's still quite powerful to see him threatening people and then being like, you, you aren't, where's Superman? Aren't you Superman? Like, what's going on here? Why, why do you in your chest? Um, but it's good. I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, then we have Marvel Now What? And I gave this a 3 out of 10, and I'm being charitable here. Uh, this is the ultimate money grab. Um, this is them... You know what? This book, what it is trying to be, is one of the old school Marvel kind of what does, uh, where they're kind of having a fun time, making fun of the comic business, and and their own their own um, con- uh, current like line-wide Marvel Now just making fun of the concept um and even the cover says you know from the people who brought you the thing you liked no not that thing the other thing marvel now what um the best part of the issue is anything by scotty young uh he does this great segment with the uh all the baby covers where he's like maybe what other ideas can i milk besides doing these babies uh and it's basically them wanting to not be it's funny that the babies are like we're trying to be tired of being taken advantage of and Scotty Young's like hey you guys are you know my bread and butter and he's like what other ideas can I milk so he decides to come up with something different um and but then unfortunately you go from that so it's kind of a fun story and then you go to a variety of different one shot stories and they just get proceedingly worse you have the Marvel Apocalypse now you have the High Evolutionary kind of saying all the other horrible things they could do with the New 52 um, you got Doctor Octo Puppet. It's a a retro story, uh, lost you know untold tales of Doc Ock, showing you know things he's done. He could have been uh, puppeteer before he became Doctor Octopus. I think that was the last story I really enjoyed. Before it just got worse and worse. Uh, There's a really terrible uh, Captain America Red Skull like online dating story. Yeah, that's how bad it is. Um, there's I'm just I'm just kind of looking through it now. There's a lot of creative creative teams that work on this book. Uh, really, they're not very interesting or, or good. The best part of the issues is the parts with uh, Scotty Young. The rest of it very forgettable, very blah, uh, very unnecessary. There's no reason to have to pick up this one shot whatsoever. I gave it a three out of ten. Um, it was not entertaining at all. It was just it was just bad. It was just a bad book. Uh, and then we have Nova number nine. The story here isn't bad, although, well, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. There's a lot of varying reasons. First of all, as much as the artwork by Paco Medina is kind of fun and enjoyable when he's doing Nova, um, Nova is a little kid. He should have, he should look like a 15-year-old kid. That being said, Justice should look like he's in his late 20s, uh, or at least early 20s. Um, uh, Robbie Baldwin, formerly known as Speedball, 
he looks like a 16-year-old kid here. Um, he, I'm sorry. He's been through the ringer. He became penance. Um, he's done a lot of weird shit has happened with him. Suddenly, he looks like a child. Um, they're talking to this 15-year-old like he's somehow not nine years younger than them. Like, they were young once upon a time, but they're not anymore. Uh, the whole story is kind of blah. You have this emissary of Thanos who's try- who's been sent to attack Nova. She basically looks like a child herself. Maybe she is, maybe she isn't. That's just how, apparently, how Medina illustrates everyone. Um, they have this, you know, big fight. Um, you have the New Warriors kind of meeting. Oh, not New Warriors, but two members of the New Warriors meeting up with uh, Nova's mom. And obviously that's going to lead into the upcoming New Warriors ongoing. Um, I just didn't enjoy this very much. It wasn't very entertaining. Uh, the writing was very lackluster. The artwork was extremely, like, just not bad. When it was Nova, it was good. But when it was every other character, it didn't feel right. It didn't look authentic to what these characters' ages should be, how old they should look. Um, I found it very frustrating and, and distracting. Um, so I gave it a 5 out of 10. Next up is Superior Carnage number 4. Now, this isn't really, like, the greatest book in a lot of ways. Like, it, it, in some ways, I don't even think I should enjoy this as much as I do. Um, but I, I really like it because it's a, you got a wizard story. Uh, the wizard has put together a new version of the, um, Frightful Four. He's basically going to take out the, uh, the mayor. He's trying to prove something to himself and to his, his younger clone who's part of the Future Foundation. Uh, the issue opens up with, um, Superior Spider-Man basically saying, like, I'm going to take care of this. He's getting, uh, the mayor out of the office because last issue showed up with them opening up the, the, uh, mayor's office door or a wall to his door, to his uh, office and finding Spider-Man waiting for them. So this kind of, we go back a few minutes minutes to see how he pushes Jameson out the door. Him and his uh, two of his thugs are kind of waiting for this new version of Carnage to show up, as well as um, Wizard, the Wizard and Claw. It's interesting that this is even called Superior Carnage, because really it's not about... I mean, it is about Carnage in a big way, but also, really, it's about the Wizard and his last stand, basically. Um, some good stuff happens here. You get to see a little bit of Spider-Man still not really getting... Uh, sort of Doc Ock as Spider-Man still kind of dealing with you know his powers don't always work the way he thinks they're going to work and the uh, his spider sense doesn't work against uh, Carnage etc um, they have a pretty good fight um, you have the Spider-Man thinks he's so smart and he's not as smart as he thinks he is as he goes up against uh, this frightful four um, one of the best parts is when he takes out you know, takes the wizard out and he basically knows that the wizard is kind of mentally ill and he's he's losing his mind and there's a great spot where, just like the Spider Slayer recently, the wizard decides he's going to mess around with uh, Spider-Man's brain, and he figures it out that he's actually Otto. Um, and Otto is so freaked out by this that he drops uh, the wizard like many, many stories onto the onto the ground, and it really doesn't help uh, how well he's been feeling. Right, I'll put it that way. Um, and then actually, Doc Ock has a really good moment where. He's kind of like, you know, if you get Carnage to stand down, I'll let you see your son is trying to help him. And he's basically admitting to him that, you know, I am Doc Ock. Like, you know, you were right. You you weren't wrong. Um, he's kind of reaching out to him. It's interesting because, uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought this, but, I mean, they're basically finding a way to show that, like, both men basically had the same idea. They were dying, and 
They had a desperate gamble for to save their legacy. In the case of Doc Ock, he took over Spider-Man's body. In the case of uh, the Wizard, he's really just trying to reach out to his younger clone, his erstwhile son. Um, there's some great fighting here between Claw and Carnage. And at the end, it looks like we have the Wizard uh, merging with Carnage. Um, and that should be interesting to see what happens there. The artwork I actually really liked in this issue. It was really solid stuff. Um, yeah, I was actually surprised. Uh, Segovia does a great, a great job. Uh, Shinnick does a fantastic job on the writing. Um, I really, really liked this book. It was very entertaining. Um, this is a worthwhile uh, book to add to your collection for sure. And I gave it an 8 out of 10. And next up is Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number 5. Uh, I gave this a 9 out of 10. I really dug this. Um, this is a culmination of what's been building in both Avenging Spider-Man and Superior Spider-Man Team-Up for a while. It's finally you have the Superior Six's first major uh, uh, appearance. Um, it's written by Chris Yost, artwork by Marco Cicchito. Um And the idea here is that you have the Wrecking Crew up against Sun Girl. Um, there's things happening here I didn't expect because... The Alchemax was recently established in the Superior Spider-Man number 19, I believe it was. Well, now you have Miguel O'Hara is in the current continuity. So for a moment, I thought we were going to get him in costume because the Wrecking Crew is uh, trying to steal something from Alchemax where Miguel O'Hara is not working under the uh, uh, the guise of, uh, I think it was Michael O'Mara. Um, and then, so you have the, the Wrecking Crew fighting Sun Girl and then Spider-Man shows up and he's like, you know, bring it on. And... Uh, just before they, they can really attack Spider-Man, in comes the Superior Six. So we have the Vulture, Sandman, Electro, uh, Mysterio, and the Chameleon show up. Although Chameleon is kind of a weird look for him. At least it's not as distinctive. Actually, I didn't know who he was at first. Um, it's a pretty cool fight between um, the, the two sides. Uh, now we kind of get the idea that the only way that Spider-Man is able to control the Superior Six is through basically the... Not mind control, but, well, it's not far from it. He is using his mind to kind of do it. Uh, and if he doesn't have enough concentration, uh, it is possible for his hold to kind of be lessened. And then there's a brief moment here where the Sinister Six kind of remember who they are, but then Spider-Man researches his control. Um, this is really, entertain really, really entertaining. The artwork is fantastic by Chichito. Not that I am really surprised, because I loved his work on Punisher, but also Chris Yost, really, this makes it feel like We've been building up to something, and uh, I really liked how that was done. Just seeing how he was able to come up with a, a convincing way that the Superior Six would even operate. It makes sense that they're not really under their own cognizance. They're being controlled by Spider-Man. Um, and we should just see how the UFOs and the, and the uh, I guess, them kind of operating a new Masters of Evil against Spider-Man and his Superior uh, Six. How that will go in the next issue. Um like to see more of the Wrecking Her crew as well. This was really good. It was entertaining. It was fast-paced. Uh, it was a really good book. Um, as I said, I'm going to give this, uh, what did I say, a 9 out of 10. And then we got Talon, number 12. I gave this a 7. Um, it was still entertaining, but it does feel like the book has fallen off a fair bit. Uh, I can't actually remember if I've seen solicits for it to continue that much longer. Um, this, I mean... It's interesting because the book was really strong when it started and then it kind of took some weird paths and then it really reinvented itself. And then again, it, it, it just doesn't quite feel like it knows what it wants to be. Um, here you have most issues spent looking at the, the secret history of the, um, uh, the butcher. And then you also have 
the idea that something has happened to Santa Prisca and uh, old the Batman's armors can't seem to find it. Um, actually, going back a second, James Tinney in the fourth and is the writer, and Emmanuel Simone or Simeone is the artist. Um, it's you know it's not a bad book. Uh, sometimes the artwork gets really sketchy, um, especially in the. Uh, I found I didn't like the flashback pieces as much, but some of the current stuff is good. Um, the weird facial disfiguration on Calvin Rose didn't quite work for me. Batman looked all right. You have Batman teaming up with Calvin Rose um, to kind of stop what's going on with the Owls right now. I'm not going to say a lot else because, to be honest, this issue was kind of forgettable in some ways. Um, there's a lot of different things kind of going on at once, and it feels like they can't quite decide which direction they want to go in. There's, you know, the current, uh, they have the Butcher. You have, now I forget his name, but the guy who Simon Rose had uh, originally, or sorry, Calvin Rose had originally teamed up with. In the first few issues, you also have the threat of Bane on the horizon. It just feels like there's a lot of disparate elements that are not really being woven together all that well. Anyways, I was going to give that uh, 7 out of 10. And then we have Uncanny Avengers 13. Uh, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10, even though I think I've missed the last like two issues. Um, I actually found it really entertaining. Um, this is probably the most interesting I have ever found the artwork by this particular artist. Um, now I can't think of his name. I'm just trying to pull it up. Uh, I'm not really a fan of... Um, what is his name, damn it? Uh, Daniel Acuna. I'm not usually a fan of his art. Uh, I do like Rick Remender. Well, not always, but I think more often than not, I usually like Rick Remender. Um, the artwork by Acuna is actually the, some of the best I've ever seen from him. Um, the issue opens with... Having a Banshee going up against Havoc. Um, obviously, Banshee is one of the current, uh, what, four horsemen of death, or just four horsemen. Um, it's interesting to see what he does here. I kind of like their interaction, and also how Rick Remender wrote um, Havoc, kind of thinking about how he feels about Banshee. Um, and then you also have uh, the Wasp kind of being instrumental in helping to take him down. They have this one bit that goes on way too long, which is Captain America can't really hear anymore. Like, he's kind of momentarily deaf, so he's really, really speaking loudly. And I felt it was just played so much for laughs, and it didn't really connect to the the severity of what that could actually mean for someone like him. And I just found it went on too long. Um, I don't know. I feel like I missed a lot because suddenly, you know, um, uh, suddenly Janet Van Dyne is just like, you know, giving Havoc some kisses. And I'm like, first of all, isn't he a lot younger than her? Um, and second of all, it just feels very awkward and not really right. Um, you have Thor kind of helping, trying to save the day where he is. Uh, you have Wanda and, uh, Wonder Man kind of working with the Apocalypse Twins because she's going to make a spell for the, for him. You have, uh, the, you know, resurrected Dakin beating the crap out of Wolverine and the idea that, you know, there, there's actually a videotape that shows Wolverine having killed Dakin. What would this do for his reputation? What would this do for mutants if they release it? Um, you have uh, the Wasp kind of going up against, or not going up against, but being confronted by the Sentry. Um, there is some really cool stuff happening in here. Uh, actually, you know, I think it's probably more a lot more interesting than I would have expected. I like the last page where you have... Uh, Sunfire and Rogue going at, you know, setting off to kind of go bring the fight back to those who've uh, t- uh, beat up Wolverine, etc. I, I have missed an issue or two, so I'm a little bit lost as to what the current status is with Red Skull, but um, this was a good read um, overall, and the artwork, as I said, is some of the best by Akuna I've ever seen. I gave it an 8 out of 10. 
the last book is uh let's see you know what i just realized for superior carnage i don't even know if i mentioned the creative team so let me jump back on that for a second and i'll go to our last book of the week um superior spider-man sorry maybe i did talk about it uh superior carnage number four written by oh, i did shinnick and artwork by segovia see i forget things really quickly um so I apologize for those who are paying attention and were like, you know what? He totally did that. I'm like, yeah, I forgot. Uh, last up is Wolverine and the X-Men number 37. This is the second last chapter of Battle of the Atom. Um, this has been pretty entertaining overall. Um, this storyline definitely had a lot of different ins and outs, but uh, now that it's almost over, I do think it was a worthwhile read. Um, this issue written by uh, Jason Aaron, artwork by uh, Giuseppe Cameron Coley, uh, Kevin Coley, an interesting... T- I think his artwork is may- not necessarily better here than I've seen it in other books, uh, especially Spider-Man, obviously. Um, but it definitely has a different flavor, but it really, really gelled for me. I really liked it. Um, the issue's, the issues, uh, pretty, you know... You have a lot of different pieces coming together. You have um, the evil brotherhood trying to uh, figure out, you know, what... They can't send the original X-Men back in time anymore... Um, so they're going to kind of goad the X-Men into confronting them at, um, oh, and I can't remember the name of it, but the place where the original X-Men, uh, first, uh, took on Magneto. I'm not really sure what the end game is here, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the last chapter. Um, the issue was, a, you know, kind of an odd one. It was a little all over the place. You started to feel like some of the threads pulling together, but at the same time, you also have, um, you know, some min- things that didn't have to happen. You have uh, Kid Omega confronting the future version of himself where he becomes Phoenix. Um, there, I don't know. This issue at times felt like it was almost too jam-packed with a lot of differing ideas, but uh, overall, I still would give, would give it an 8 out of 10 because although there were still a lot of things that didn't quite gel, on the whole, still good. You know, still entertaining. It's a nice, solid chapter. Um, it's not flawless but it's entertaining enough that i can overlook some of the flaws and uh yeah it's an 8 out of 10 so that is everything i had a chance to look at this week unfortunately um i'm just going to wrap this up but first talk about the books that i didn't get a chance to read this week uh they include adventures of superman number six all-star western 24 arrow number 12 batman dark knight 24 beware the batman number one catwoman 24 daredevil 32 which i cannot wait to read but i just didn't have time uh, DC versus Masters of the Universe number two, FF number thirteen, Green Team, Teen Trillionaires number five, Indestructible Hulk fourteen, Infinity Heist number two, Infinity Hunt number three, Injustice Gods Among Us number ten, Iron Man seventeen, which I heard enough about that I didn't even want to read it because I think it's absolutely ludicrous and stupid. And if you don't know what it is, I won't spoil it for you here, but I think it's one of the most ridiculous things they could do. Um I the story arc already was making it look like uh, there really wasn't that much special about Tony Stark because of his history and his past. And then they throw you a uh, kind of a right ho- uh, something right out of left field, and it's really stupid. And I just could not even bring myself to read the issue. Uh, Iron Man 17, Justice League Dark 24, Lara Flea's number 4, Red Lanterns 24, Savage Wolverine number 10, Secret Avengers number 10, Superman 24, Teen Titans 24. Thunderbolt 17, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 28, Unwritten 54, Venom number 42, and Young Avengers number 11. 
Anyways, uh, if you want to write the show, you can write me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook as well, although I have to admit we have not updated the, I have not updated the Facebook page in maybe six or six months or so, or maybe less, but it's been a long time, so I do apologize for that. Uh, you can also post on our HC Realms threads that we put up for the shows as well. Uh, also, in terms of trying to broaden the show's horizons as well, um, we would really appreciate uh, any ratings you could give us on iTunes, any uh, reviews as well. I believe right now we only have one rating and review. Thank you, AJ Reese. Um, although he did, I believe, review and rate the uh, episode, the show originally before he was on it. So it's not like it's just because he was on it once. Although, seriously, that's awesome. Um, I, do, I love having people on the show. If there's anyone else out there who wants to try and be on the show, it might be really hard to arrange because my schedule is insane, but um, I do like the idea of you know people who like the show, like listening to it, uh, who are subscribers, etc., join the show for an episode. Um, we could have a fun time. Just give me a topic and we'll go. Um, anyway, thank you for joining me for this episode. This is, as I said, been episode 113. Uh, the next episode, 114, will be coming out in a day or two. That'll be the all-new Spotlight on the all-new Marvel Now, another episode featuring Paul Scores. Uh I am Adam Chapman, your host. Thank you for joining me, um, and I hope you will join us next time. Bye-bye.